All right, everyone, welcome to the newest episode of Heal Thyself. Thank you so much for tuning in, taking your time. I feel so happy. I feel so blessed that you are carving out X amount of time in your day to listen. Very much so grateful. Thank you for rating. Thank you for reviewing. Thank you for subscribing and giving love to the show. Because of you all, the show is growing at a rapid, rapid pace, and I cannot be more grateful, more happy. All right, all right, all right, all right. Today's show, really good one. I promise you this. We're going to talk a little bit about on the Knowledge Bomb, something that I do, a practice of mine. Um, It's a resource that I use to help me in many different ways. So I want to share that with everyone and also the science as to why. And we have a really good guest on the show, Dr. Sammy Madeira. He's a hormone expert and hormones will never not be sexy. We love talking about hormones, men and female. And um, we're going to be talking about uh, gut health. So amongst all of that, We are getting back to doing the product reviews next week. I promise you that. We have about 15 product review shows. Um, So uh, yeah, I needed a little product review break. It was quite a lot going to the stores and picking this up and doing it. So anyway, I digress. Let's get to the show. Knowledge Bomb segment, here we go. All right, sound, 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 Uh, sound can heal, sound can heal. Look, it's important, we've been gifted these senses and it's important that we use these senses in order to heal, right? So we have our eyes, right? We go outside, we see the sun, it transmutes this energy, right? It starts healing us from the inside, releasing hormones in our body, all these other factors. Our eyes have power, right? What about taste? Of course, we taste nutritious food, right? We, we eat it every single day. Smell, we smell those essential oils, right? They have healing properties in our body, different scents, right? Tells us not to go there, to go here. Touch, love, connection, all of these things, but we don't talk about our ears, right? We, we can use them in order to heal. And guess what? Sound has power. Why? Because sound is healing, right? Sound carries a vibration. We are energetic beings. So it stands to believe that through that energy vibrating, it has very specific frequencies that can change our own inherent vibration, right? So when it resonates with us and it comes together, it can directly affect our own frequency and our own vibration and our own health. So it's a little secret that I have, right? Not a lot of people know that I love sound healing and uh, there's a huge spectrum, right? Today's show is going to really stick to something called auditory beat stimulation, but I have a whole, and music is everything to me. So I have a whole show on music. I promise you that we're going to go into the nitty gritty about how music helps and how music can save. It's so beautiful uh, how it can heal so many different people and the stories I heard. Anyway, we have that. We'll talk about sound baths, but today I really want to talk about auditory beat stimulation because it's something that's accessible and it's quick and it's powerful and it's studied. So uh, the one that I use is binaural beats and you may have heard of binaural beats, right? What we see in study in different studies is that it can help with cognition and mood. I use it in particular before bed and I put on headphones and uh, I close my eyes really dark and I'll hear those beats and I'll explain how they work. But uh, it's really important because I find that one, it helps reduce anxiety, not really super anxious all the time, but it'll help reduce anxiety. But what it really does is it puts me in a quick state of being like, okay, well, boom, mind's off, ready to go to sleep. And they use different frequencies. So the study shows that it can be useful in anxiety, hyperactivity. We start really seeing that. Um, but there's different types of beats, mono, monaural beats and binaural beats. So both utilize waves of similar frequencies. So for monaural beats, it's presented to one ear, binaural beats is two ears. But the crazy thing about binaural beats, and this is the one that I do recommend to people, 
is that when one ear gets presented a very specific frequency and then the other ear presented a frequency very close, uh, very close frequency to the one on the other ear, uh, the difference is presented in the head and it's perceived at, to be inside of the head. So that frequency, the difference in the frequency is perceived to be right inside that head. So it's a really crazy phenomenon and it has a very particular name, I don't remember. But yeah, the perception of that frequency in the head is supposed to be what's the therapeutic part. Um, and if you never did binaural beats, this this is really interesting and it's something to try. I just want to present you on all the stuff about what it is and how it helps. And then you could try it yourself. Um, safe and very easy. If you look at the studies on the therapy, you're going to, it's going to yield different results, right? So all of my science-based people who are listening, you'll see, and you probably know by now, um, auditory beat stimulation has, uh, a spectrum of different results, but that's because the methodologies are not very consistent when doing these studies. Um, I think there needs to be a decided methodology and figure it out, but the ones that do have positive results are pretty cool and really positive. So let's start with some of them. What do we see in cognition? In cognition, there's some really cool studies on it to understand different brain states. And before I go into those studies, let's understand the brain waves. And brain has four different waves, alpha, beta, delta, and theta. So alpha has a frequency of about eight to 13 hertz. And hertz is the measurement of frequency. So the higher the hertz, the faster the frequency. Alpha, what we see is something that is a very relaxed but alert state, right? Relaxed but alert, sort of like med meditation or mindfulness, right? You're really relaxed, you're in it, but you're focused on your movement or a certain point or your breath. That's relaxed but alert. Alpha state is a very powerful, powerful state. Then we have the beta state. The beta state is about 14 to 30 hertz. That's the frequency. And this is when you're alert and engaged, like sort of like doing a project, right? You're really moving and you're alert and engaged. A lot of us work in beta state at work. The delta state now is about 0.5 to 4 hertz. This is a lower one. And this is really associated with deep, deep, deep sleep, right? So it's actually helping us recover when we're sleeping. It's telling our body to start healing. It's a very healing wave, uh, brainwave. Now, theta is for me uh, really intriguing. It's one that I always look at um, first. And that's four to eight hertz. And hertz, again, the frequency. This one's a big one in childhood. So ages one through seven, oh, from when we're born to seven, we are in a theta state. That is the predominant brainwave in our, in, our, in our body, right? Our brain is shooting out theta waves. And that's a more hypnotic state, especially in childhood, in, in sleep. We, as adults, have the theta wave really boosting up when we're about to go to sleep or when we're in that REM sleep. But, but the theta wave is sort of a hypnotic state. Um, it's when we are most susceptible to subconscious suggestion. So just to understand the way these beats work, we have to understand the way the brain works. And these are the waves of the brain. So let's get into the studies, the fun stuff, right? For the nerds like me. Uh, memory, 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 memory. All right, so it's really cool because we see brain health right now. Brain health is really important. Brain health is becoming hella sexy for everyone um, as, as asleep, but brain health is really becoming really hot right now. So five hertz binaural beat stimulation for 15 minutes, right? Five hertz binaural beat stimulation for 15 minutes twice a day for 15 days resulted in a significant increase in the number of words that were recalled post-stimulation. So it really helped these folks remember these lists of words much better than those who didn't get it, which is really cool to think that you can initiate 
brain waves to help you recall and help your memory, well, that can be an important tool for folks needing to study or needing to practice a speech or whatever it may be. Creativity, really cool one. A recent study reported positive effects of binaural beats when they applied alpha waves, which is about 10 hertz. So what this alpha wave did is it helped with divergent thinking. So creating multiple solutions to one problem rather than convergent thinking where you're creating one solution to one problem. So really cool. It's helping promote creativity in folks. So attention, the jury's really still out. We're investigating it for ADHD. We need some really good studies out there, but subjectively we're seeing some good results when it comes to binaural beats and attention. The really big one and the one I love is mood, 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 mood. So for anxiety, how many of us suffer with some sort of projecting to the future anxiety. A lot of us do because we're human beings, but there's other folks who are really held captive by that anxiety. So binaural beats, what we saw is in pre-surgical anxiety. So folks ready to go in there in the OR, uh, right before the OR, they're listening to binaural beats. And when they use is a delta frequency or a fake recording, right? That's what the two groups used. What they saw, these authors, was a 26.3% decline in anxiety scores in the folks who used binaural beats before getting into the OR, which is amazing, right? So for the placebo group, there was 11% decline. So more than double we're starting to see in those folks who did the binaural beats, uh, listen to the binaural beats before going to the OR. That's really amazing because what that means is in just, what, 20 minutes, you can put on binaural beats before you have a presentation or you have a really big test or you're doing something really nerve-wracking and listen, get into a state, and theoretically, you can reduce that anxiety, which is amazing. Um, yeah, and in just in, in 20 minutes, that was a study. We also saw it in another, another study, significant results in groups listening to nature sounds or nature sounds embedded with binaural beats. Again, the ones who were listening to the nature sounds embedded with binaural beats, lower, much lower amount of, or percent of anxiety. Um, so that's situational anxiety, but what about folks with anxiety disorders who are, who are working with this every single day, struggling with anxiety every single day? So a later study, what we saw was that it was also reported that patients who receive binaural beat stimulation in the delta frequency for 30 minutes daily over 60 days showed significant decreases in trait anxiety. That's every single day anxiety on this official questionnaire that they used. Really cool, really cool because you can use literally a YouTube video to help you reduce your anxiety in a significant measurable amount. That's amazing. And the theta and delta frequency, we found that it helped overall mood. The data, uh, the delta frequency helped reduce tension, anxiety, confusion, fatigue, and that's used over uh, 60 days for 30 minutes. Um, and that was measured by a very specific questionnaire called a POMS questionnaire, Profile of Mood States Questionnaire. Another study showed the beta frequency was helpful in depression, in the depression subscale. So in that POMS frequency that I just mentioned, there's a little depression section, and the beta frequency was shown to be helpful in the perception of association with less negative mood. So less negative mood, um, reduce reduction in depression overall, which is really cool too. I love that. I love that sound, literally frequency, vroom, 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 like that sound can be so therapeutic to someone. I just love that it's accessible and so cheap. Um, and then preliminary studies, we're actually seeing that it's helpful for attention and vigilance. So maintaining focus, we'll see, but, um, yeah, so me personally, look, that's what I said. I at the end of the day comes, and it's part of my nighttime ritual. I'll put on my, I have these noise-canceling headphones, and 
it's so much better when you use these noise canceling headphones. But these noise canceling headphones were amazing. I put them on and I'll just go to YouTube and I'll find either a alpha, beta, delta, theta frequency, depending on what I really want to focus on. So mostly I want to relax. So if there's any anxiety, I want to turn it off. So I usually go around the delta frequency sometimes, or I'll just do overall binaural beats. Um, and it puts me in a really good place. Look, if you never tried it, try it out. Try it out. Try it out when you get home. Put on some headphones. Go to YouTube. Type in binaural beats. Listen to them. Close your eyes and see if it helps. Just see if it helps. See if it helps take a load off. See if it helps get you to the present moment. See if it helps reduce any stress, anxiety, even depression. If puts you, if it puts you in a better state, then listen to that receptivity, right? Because it's your body talking to you, saying, "Hey, look, I like this modality. I resonate with this modality. Please give me more." Right? Again, like I said, cheap. YouTube, quick, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, all you need. And look, it may be part of your life. I love sharing stuff that is not very well known. And I did do a post about this. So there's a little bit more about this a few months ago. Um, and stay tuned because I'm going to do a whole, I wanted to couple this with music healing, but music healing in its own right deserves its own show. So yeah, I hope that helped. Um, Dr. Sammy is standing here ready to jump in. So I'm really excited to get him in here and have a really good conversation. All right. Hey, look, today's special guest, a special one for sure. He's out here from Seattle. I brought him on because he's really, really, really good at men's and women's hormones. And people go crazy over hormones. Why? Because they're so important to our overall health. Let me introduce the none the other naturopathic doctor, Sammy Madeira. How are you, man? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for yeah. coming, man. So, yeah. um, so you're up in Seattle, and uh, God bless you for enduring those winters. Did yeah. you go to school there? I did, yeah. I went to Bastyr University. Yeah, and you didn't leave. You said, yeah. no, I don't care about the sun. I'll yeah. be good. Yeah, I'm missing the sun, so it's nice to be down in L.A. today, but... Um, uh, the best way to deal with the winters: stay active, get a red light, get a happy light, yeah, and stay so, active. Let me ask you because um, I know a lot of people who listen to the show or who are watching it see a lot of these health folks using these red lights. What is what? Do, what do you use it for? First of all, and what have you seen? Have you seen patients benefit from this? Yeah. So what I'm personally using it for is to help with like sleep wake cycle during the darkest time of the year. Um, it's apparently supposed to help with testosterone. However, I haven't seen enough evidence to right. back that up yet. Uh, it, it does help with sleep. So when you get that red light in the morning and then early afternoon between like 3.30 and 5.30, it is helpful, especially on the dark Seattle mm -hmm. days that we get up there. Yeah. And, and most of the people are not on the West Coast over here like we are or I am yeah. right now. So uh, it's a really important tool for yeah. them because a lot of them ask me because I'd be like, yeah, go outside and ground and try to get the sun. But, yeah. you know, sometimes it's really, really dark, really dark. And they're yeah. getting to work when it's still dark. Right. Which makes me cringe. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. It can be brutal. But, um, I mean, some people just need to figure out eventually either how to take like a two-week vacation somewhere sunny. Yeah. Or uh, eventually move. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I hear yeah. you, man. I hear yeah. you. So, uh, hormones, man. Like, this is this is huge. This is, uh, as you know, I may be in uh, as you may know, I'm in breast cancer, um, and hormones is pivotal. Yeah. But I also do a lot of prostate cancer, and hormones oh, is yeah. pivotal. Yeah. Um, and those are sort of like towards the end of the spectrum of dysregulation of hormones throughout life. But really, you see a lot of 
even acute hormone imbalances and how, how are they manifesting in men and women? Let's start with men because I know you sure. love men's health. And uh, there's a lot of people who have loved ones yep. who are men and we got to support these, the fellas, right? That's right. Yeah. Men need a lot more support. We're, as men, we're late adop- adopters to natural medicine typically. So I call like the whole biohacking community, like the gateway drug mm-hmm. to naturopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. So usually men come in and they're like, well, I'm following so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I want to try these treatments out. And that may be bioidentical hormone uh, replacement therapy. So uh, for most men, their lifestyle is conducive to being higher estrogen and lower testosterone. And you can check that in their blood. It's ideally you're getting that blood test before 9 a.m. And uh, as far as like prostate cancer, how this plays into that is that we used to think going back to the 40s and 60s that the research that they did, uh, Huggins did, was on dogs and castrating dogs and and then seeing men who had prostate cancer and being castrated and their prostate cancer improved and their Mm -hmm. quality of life and longevity improved. And what we found is that it was actually high estrogens and toxic estrogens and the receptors that are binding to the uh, hormones binding to estrogen receptors on and around the on the prostate cells. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's really awesome. the issue. Yeah, that's awesome to hear because um, we had Dr. Ralph Esposito. Do you know him? He, yeah. Out in New York, we were there. Absolutely. And he was yeah. saying something very similar to, we really have to watch out for one, low testosterone and the estrogen. It's the estrogen yeah. that's really pushing those receptors. Um, and he even spoke about the different receptors, but why are, why are the fellas inundated with estrogen? What's going on here? Yeah, that's a great question. There's um, a great book. Uh, it's on Audible too. So if you're not a reader and you just want to listen on Audible uh, while you're commuting, like I do, uh, you can get the book. It's called Estrogeneration by Dr. Anthony Jay. He's a PhD chemist. Mm-hmm. And he talks about xenoestrogens throughout the whole book, all these different toxins like uh, BP that's in sunscreens. Uh, there's other things, uh, just estrogens in, the, in our water, mm-hmm. in our lake water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're eating a lot of fish and they're stocking the fish in certain lakes where you live, if you know, you're in the Midwest or, you know, I, I grew up in Northern New England, so there's a lot of rivers and, and lakes where people like to fish, uh, for example. Uh, you could be exposed to a lot of xenoestrogens and not even be aware of it and just think you're eating like, oh, I'm eating healthy fish, you know? Yeah, which is pretty, and I want to make that point because a lot of us will eat fish for the benefits, the anti-inflammatory properties, right? Some, Some good macronutrients, but we don't understand that maybe that there's microplastics or again, other xenoestrogens that the fish are exposed to that you're eating. It's in the tissue when you're eating, Yeah, which is, it's for some people, this is maybe the first time they're hearing it, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I, I mean, it goes towards everything. I mean, in a minute we can talk about like fluoride and other toxins too, but these xenoestrogens are everywhere, air, food, water. We're, we're basically like bathing in estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have more research pointing towards these xenoestrogens and how they uh, can potentiate these toxic estrogen pathways in our body. So like, for example, if someone were to do a Dutch test, uh, which is pretty popular now in the functional medicine, naturopathic yeah. medicine community. Uh, you can look at your estrogen pathway in your liver and you can see what's going on with your different, you know, 2-hydroxy, estrone, 4-hydroxy, mm-hmm. 16-hydroxy. And that's a good starting place to say, okay, this is probably what my liver's doing with everything else too, if this is what's happening with my estrogens, and I don't want these toxic estrogen ratios. So the other thing that most doctors don't do is they don't look at hormone ratios. So 
you know, we got the receptors, we got the hormone levels in our blood, urine, saliva, what have you. And then we have different ratios. So you want at least a 10 to one ratio, total testosterone to estradiol, and estradiol is the most potent mm -hmm. estrogen for blood morning collection, okay. so serum blood. Um, ideally it's 40 to one, but nobody's ideal, right? They're like, people aren't walking in and seeing us because they're healthy. So I say, you know, at least start at 10 to one. And there are a lot of other doctors who've been practicing for many, many years that also back that up. So uh, that's a good place to start with your blood test. And then if you want to do a deeper dive, you can look at the Dutch test and the, you know, how you're there. metabolizing those hormones specifically. Yeah. And I think it's really important for men and women to do that test. I say yearly or bi-yearly or uh, every other year, because, um, because it's, because we're, like I like you said, you were both inundated men and women with yeah. estrogen and okay. Yeah. We're inundated with estrogen, but how's our liver metabolizing it? Yeah. Right. Because if, if that ratio of the cat carcinogenic form is really high, that's a big problem. Yeah. Predispositions long-term for all of us, or, you know, we're estrogen dominant, let's say, or young women are estrogen dominant. Then we see those profile symptoms. Um, so it, it's pretty incredible how sensitive hormones are, right? To the yeah. environment. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we can talk about lifestyle if you're, if you want to Everything, as well. man. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I see over and over again, and some of my friends and, uh, closer people are actually are kind of mad at me about this, but don't shoot the messenger is what I say. So IPA beers are high in hops and hops is a phytoestrogen. And that basically means it's a plant estrogen that it's so high in estrogens that when young girls walk through like a hops field and, and like are harvesting hops on the hops vines, they start menstruating like the next day. So, you know, we're talking about like very potent estrogen. Lavender is also a phytoestrogen. So a lot of people use like lavender essential oil in their mm -hmm. baths for like relaxing and on their skin every day. So just be aware, it's probably not as strong as hops, but it is a plant estrogen. Uh, beans, especially not whole beans, but like canned beans. Mm -hmm. So if you get like, uh, like canned beans and you're, it's all mashed up, that's going to be higher in plant estrogens than like a whole bean that you make Dried yourself. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder how much of that is because of the lining of the cans with BPA. Right. That, yeah. could, that could actually add more to it. Um, Absolutely. From what you're saying. What other things are you thinking about? Because I know you had some yeah, things well, right at the cup. Yeah, BPA is one, but there's also BPC, which most people aren't talking about. So it's like, oh, well, this uh, container that I'm drinking water out every day is now BPA-free, but what else is lining that plastic container, mm -hmm. right? So that's the questions I have for people who are like, you know, get a clean canteen or ideally like a glass water bottle is what I recommend. And um, when you get like a to-go cup, like a coffee cup at Starbucks or wherever you get your coffee, if you're getting coffee outside, don't put like the plastic lid over when it's hot. There's just like little things you can do or mm -hmm. have your own uh, metal container. Uh, so those are some starting points for the everyday person. Uh, it's just coming to an awareness that you're going to have to do these changes for yourself. There's, you know, these companies aren't going to be aware at this point in time to say, okay, we need to remove these things because they could potentially be carcinogenic. No, it's not in their interest, not at all. No, yeah. And, but it's, but it's like literally making the move to a glass or stainless steel water bottle from yeah. a BPA or BPA free water bottle, still it's gonna have some BPA, the other form of BPA. Um, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Because absolutely. we're drinking that every single day. Yeah. And then, which I guess brings us to water in itself, what we're filling those cups up with. Um, you mentioned back before that water can have 
estrogens in there? Is that from birth control? Is that because we yes. have other uh, pharmaceuticals in there? What's going on? And you mentioned fluoride too. Yeah. Um, maybe we can go into that. Yeah, definitely. So there's a great story that I like to tell. Um, in the early 2000s, I was canoeing on Lake Mead doing like an uh, orientation class to college. In Lake Mead, if you people don't know where that is, it's in between basically Vegas and Arizona, and it's a massive man-made lake. And then the Hoover Dam is what makes that lake. So if you've been in the Hoover Dam, that's Lake Mead. Uh, and then we canoed on the river, the Colorado River below. And we stopped, we pulled up to the beach, pulled our canoes up and had like a lunch break, bathroom break. And I asked the park ranger, hey, you know, do you stock the lake with fish? And he's like, yeah, we have to restock every year because the male fish are being turned to female fish by the end of the season or before then. That's incredible to hear. Yeah. So there's a lot of other research out there about frogs and different like yeah. amphibians and fish that you can just look on PubMed. And we have that data. And obviously we're not frogs or fish, but it's a good kind of checkpoint saying like, okay, if this is happening to fish every year in this massive lake that's man-made and are having to restock and there's, you know, women who are in birth control, like so many millions of women are of childbearing age and their, um, you know, toxic synthetic estrogen from those birth control pills are being excreted through the urine into the lake. And that's what the park ranger thought. And this was like 2001, 2002. Wow. So, you know, almost 20 years ago. Um, and it's, I don't think it's gotten better. I think it's gotten worse, you know, with the toxins that we have now almost two decades later. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember reading uh, year, a few years ago about Lake Mead being the, one of the most toxic lakes in the country. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible, not just with estrogen, with things like dioxins and other toxins in there. Uh, but again, yeah, I've heard about the frogs. I heard about the fish. And just think of that as being as a microcosm and maybe what's going on in our body. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something about fluoride. Yes. Did you want to go into that? Yeah. So there's some preliminary research data showing uh, that fluoride, it, as some people may already know, it disrupts or can disrupt thyroid function. Mm -hmm. uh, so fluoride, the way it works on our teeth is it, it acts as like a, a chemical reaction to strengthen the enamel of your teeth. Mm -hmm. So if you talk to your general dentist, like everyday dentist, that's what they'll say, mm -hmm. right? So that's why they have you do the fluoride rinse if, yeah. if you get that done, which I don't recommend. Um, uh, there's probably going to be some pushback from people around that. but I did a whole show on fluoride. Don't even okay, worry about it. Okay, cool. So fluoride uh, can also disrupt the brain at the neurological level, therefore throwing off testosterone downstream. So we have our whole anterior pituitary hormone signaling system. Mm -hmm. You know, like our, it's our computer basically sending signals to all different hormone glands, you know, thyroid. Uh, testes, ovaries, adrenals, et cetera, adrenals. Yeah. So the downstream is testosterone and it could, it can disrupt uh, the luteinizing hormone, which is your brain saying, hey, make more testosterone. Latex cells in the testes, make more testosterone today. It's morning. Mm. Uh, like you just woke up, your testosterone should be highest in the morning because your androgens are being made in, in large quantities and your body's healing when you're sleeping. So if you're not sleeping at least seven and a half to eight hours mm -hmm. a, a night. And uh, I know Dr. Ralph talks about that a lot too. Uh, but that's the research sits there that sleep is actually more important than how old you are. So there's been, you know, massive studies showing that over and over again. 
And um, Dr. Kirk Parsley, who's like a sleep doctor specialist and um, ex-Navy SEAL, talks a lot about that too. Uh, so you can check out, people who are listening and check out his uh, TED Talk uh, on sleep. Mm -hmm. And um, that video, I think, is called like America's Biggest Problem. So you won't find it if you Google sleep. Yeah. But essentially, uh, if you're not sleeping, you're drinking like IPAs, like, you know, two beers every night when you come home to chill out because hops is a sedative. So a lot of men are after that relaxation more than the booze, you know, mm -hmm. like they may not be getting tanked, but they're trying to just chill out because life is too stressful mm -hmm. for most of us. Yeah. Um, and, and then it's habits, you know, it's just having, changing bad habits for good habits. You got to, um, as Dr. The late, great Dr. Mitchell used to say is we got, you can't just take patients, uh, habits away. You got to give them something else to replace that. Yeah. So what I recommend for people is like either learn how to make a liquid extract, an alcohol liquid extract of like skull cap or something like that, which isn't a phytoestrogen herb. And then you can just have like half a shot of that when you get home mixed with some water and you'll notice that you're more relaxed, you'll sleep better. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's going to basically chill out the nervous system. It's a nervine herb. So if mm -hmm. you don't, people know what a nervine herb is feeding the nervous system mm -hmm. instead of just sedating it. Yeah. And you can use skullcap during the day too. So I have, uh, in Seattle, it's kind of like a Silicon Valley, uh, culture up there, tech culture. A lot of people are really overworked. You know, they don't really have time to go to yoga. They don't have time to wake up and get outside of when it is sunny or even exercise that much. So helping them to figure out how to hack that, you yeah. know, with, for lack of a better term. Uh, and these are kind of like some quick things that people can do right away while they're trying to improve their hormones. Yeah. Wow. So it, it, again, so when coming back to hormones, men and women, it's pretty much like what's going in your mouth from food or exposures or on your skin yep. and then lifestyle. So what role does the, and I talk about this almost every other podcast is, uh, the role of exercise. Is it, is it that important then for balancing hormones for men and women? Absolutely. Yeah. So this morning I was, uh, down in Venice, uh, sprinting on the beach, doing like five second sprints mm -hmm. instead of running like five miles. Right. And, um, I grew up running uh, cross country. So every, uh, three days we would have a 5k or sorry, a 3k race. Um, a, sorry, 5k race with 3.1 miles. Mm -hmm. So, um, I grew up doing chronic cardio, as we call it now, and that's a great way to deplete your testosterone. So for those who are people who are doing like 50-mile bike rides every weekend, you know, backpacking 50 miles like every two, two weeks in the summer, you know, they're just like pushing it hard. Uh, that's a good way to deplete the adrenals, um, mess up the whole HPA access long-term mm -hmm. if they're doing that every day. And I mean... You know, there's just some people that they love that rush. They love that uh, runner's high, mm -hmm. and that's what they're after. And I've been there. I mean, I I got chronic fatigue syndrome from running cross-country and an unhealthy lifestyle mm -hmm. uh, when I was in high school, and I was pretty young. I was a sophomore in high school, and I should have been at the healthiest point in my life. So, yeah. you know, yeah. doing sprints once a week, um, doing, you know, squats, deadlifts, moving the big muscles in the body, so getting a personal trainer, so you don't wreck your back while doing like a heavy deadlift is a good idea. So uh, deadlifts, squats, bench press, and doing like three by five or five by five reps and sets. Mm -hmm. So working so nice up and heavy. to that. Yeah. yeah. Heavy. And um, they've also shown in the research having about a two minute break time in between those sets can help 
improve at least your short-term burst of testosterone. So, you know, if you're going to the gym and you're working out at five o'clock, you may want to get home soon, but just maybe focusing on more uh, focused exercise and having that one to two minute break at least mm. between um, between the sets. Yeah, which is kind of hard. I remember I, I used to do squats with 90 seconds in between and I'm like, yeah. it's already time to go back. You know, yeah. it's definitely hard, but back to uh, the aerobic part of it. So you're saying that sprints or high intensity short burst exercises are better yep. for testosterone than like say a long-term jog for like 45 minutes an hour. Absolutely. I mean, you could do like, um, Mark Sisson talks a lot about this. Mm -hmm. So people don't know about him, um, in his lifestyle guide framework, he talks about doing one day of like either urban hiking, or you can just go on a long walk one day a week where your heart rate is maybe roughly around like 110, 120 beats per minute, depending on what your target heart rate is based on age. And uh, one day a week doing those like burst exercises of sprints. So, you know, five seconds is probably the max for most people. You're, you're going to basically like hit the window around three to six seconds, depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. And doing about, you know, six of those, five, five, oh. five to 10 of those max yeah. if you're in really good shape. But you'll know your body will just start kind of like having like a three second sprint. Yeah. So that's a good telltale sign. And then you can jog in between. Or you can walk in between, depending on like how healthy your joints are. What most people do is they go, and I'm I'm not immune to this. I do this too. Is I think I'm still 22, and I just push myself so hard, like the weekend warrior uh, mindset. And most uh, Americans or like whoever's listening to, today to the podcast are people that are, we're living in an extreme world. Either we're like the couch potato, like Netflix and chill all yeah. weekend, you know. Or we're going to CrossFit, yeah. And we need to find like a happy medium. So I usually tell people it's like you need to you need to have like Yin and Yang workouts. You need to have if you don't like yoga, go for a walk. You know, walk your dogs or hang out with some friends. Go for a walk after dinner once a week. Not hard to do. You don't need a gym membership. Just need a comfortable pair of shoes and a jacket or you know whatever. So uh, keep it real. Like make it something you want to do. I think the other thing is people are like, well, I. I don't have time to go to the gym. And it's like, well, do you have like 10 by 10 uh, floor space in your home? Mm-hmm. You can do, uh, you know, bodyweight squats, you can do push-ups, you can do all your calisthenics You do a whole there. yoga class there. Yeah. 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 So you just roll up some YouTube video uh, yeah. that, you know, it has a lot of views and credentials behind it. Yeah. And then you can uh, put on that and yeah. start there. So it doesn't have to be extreme. In college, I was in this flow for a while where every morning I would get up at 6 a.m. for a year, and I would do like Tai Chi in my yard in Arizona, and it was really nice. Um, and then I, I moved into a smaller place, and I didn't have a yard. So I moved to Qigong, which is you just stay in one spot, and you don't need any room. You just need like arm's length each yeah. side, and that's very relaxing um, basically like a standing breathing meditation yeah. that can really improve your your mindsets. Uh, you're going to bring down cortisol. So when cortisol is all whacked out, testosterone is going to be low, which is most people today. Yeah. We run on cortisol. We run on cortisol fumes by, yeah. the, by the end of the day. Uh, and I, you can even think about that again, that goes to lifestyle, like the stress and the sleep and every other factor. It's our hormones are so sensitive, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very sensitive. And I think, um, a lot of men have this like pride and they don't maybe want to admit that something could be off. And usually what men say is like, we're not as tuned in as women 
to our bodies because we don't have a menstrual flow every, every month. Um, and ideally women do have that, but, um, so we're not like innately tuned in as much. Mm -hmm. And typically, depending on how you grew up, this could be different for everybody, but typically we've been conditioned to ignore things and push them aside and say like, oh, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal until it's like, okay, now you need back surgery or you're like pissing blood or you got to go to the ER basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, Or someone's taking you to the ER against your will. So that's most men. So I've had patients and my colleagues and friends who do similar work to me in Seattle have had patients that they're like, well, I've climbed Mount Rainier every year for 30 years. I can't have low testosterone. Mm. No way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, when you do something like mountaineering, you aren't sleeping. You're at oxygen deficit. Mm-hmm. So yes, our bodies are resilient, but they're also fragile. So it's like this duality that's going on at all times with our physiology. And I think a lot of men are resistant to asking for help and they don't have a symptom attached to it. They're just saying, I don't feel like myself, but I don't think it's a medical issue. And my MD isn't going to give me testosterone. And if they do, they're going to give me androgel, which most of the time doesn't work. It works for a subset of people, but doesn't work. Similar to like levothyroxine with thyroid. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, they may give them Viagra and like an SSRI and SSRIs can cause erectile dysfunction Mm -hmm. if that wasn't an issue already. So that's the standard of care. And most men don't want that I talk to don't want just a bunch of prescriptions for every symptom. Like I want to know what's really going on here and I'm ready to do the work. And my wife's ready for me to do the work because, you know, things are getting bad. Yeah. So at yeah. work or home or thank, both. Thank God for the wives, the girlfriends, the sisters, the yeah. moms, everyone, because any male patients, I work with so many female patients, but most of the male patients, someone dragged them. Yeah. And then like they're kind of hesitant the first visit. And then by the second visit, they're like, all right, doc, I'm listening. I'm feeling yeah. a little better. Yeah. You know, I'm sleeping. So I think it's great work that you do and um, working with all the men and their lives are changing. Um, so what what so you do see some females too? Yep. And um, what is the really the main hormone disruption? How's it manifesting? Is it is it a, a disruption in their menstrual cycle? Is it acne? What are you seeing? Cysts on the breast? Because I I see it all. Yeah. Um, but I want to know what what you're seeing up in Seattle and Montana. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of autoimmunity. Mm-hmm. So Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis is autoimmune disease causing uh, low thyroid function. And uh, some graves, not as much as Hashimoto's, but um, also seeing Hashimoto's more in men that thought they had low testosterone. So uh, that's why I say it's good to get a full workup because you don't know what's really going on. I like to tell the story. I had a, on a, one of my very busy days, I had a guy contact my clinic and he was like, well, I just want to know like how much everything costs. And I'm like, well, we got to talk first. Like, I don't know what you need. For you know? sure. Yeah. I've had those before. Yeah. yeah. And so eventually I just kind of gave him a ballpark number and he's a snowbird. So he's heading down to either like Southern California or Arizona for the winter and just like, you know, gearing to get away and wanted to get in right away. Um, and what he eventually said was, well, I don't want to invest in that. I'm going to go to Mexico to buy testosterone. Um, so going back to women's health it's, and men's health, whatever is, you're coming in for, whether it's like, I think I have low female hormones because I don't have a menstrual cycle or I have heavy menses, so I, I see both, mm-hmm. uh, or I just feel tired and I don't know why, and I brain fog, um, and I'm on birth control uh, pills, but I, you know, I don't really know what's going on here. No one's told me. 
Uh, and they're not familiar in Seattle. The people I work with aren't familiar with functional medicine. Mm. So they're not familiar with naturopathic medicine. Most of the time, they don't know like, um, people that we would call like big names yeah, in this industry. Yep. Uh, so I'll ask them questions like, have you heard of Dr. Mark Hyman? Mm -hmm. You know, do you, have you seen a naturopathic doctor before a functional medicine practitioner? No, no. Uh, do you know like Jolene Brighton, mm -hmm. you know, for the women? And they're mm -hmm. like, no. I'm like, okay, well like start following those people, yeah. get some pre-education. But, uh, going back to your question, uh, women are coming in with Hashimoto's, uh, gut dysbiosis is huge. Like pretty much everybody has See that, that going so on. much, man. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, this whole, I, I call it SEMO now. Um, from the people that educated me through like Mediherb seminars and things mm -hmm. like that uh, through Australia, they're uh, seeing it more as like this mix uh, fungal and bacterial overgrowth mm. and that throwing off the whole immune system and like triggering autoimmunity. So even things like protozoal parasites in the gut triggering autoimmunity and this kind of gut inflammation picture. Uh, so that's very common. Uh, it seems like most women have either... Uh, some dysregulation in their menses. Like most people aren't coming in saying like my menstrual period is bulletproof. Yeah. You know, like I have no cramps, like I have no heavy bleeding. I never see that. Yeah. And even in person, like like friends, you know, the right. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to hormones, uh, usually what women do in that situation is they take ibuprofen, you know, for their menstrual cramps. And I've had, you know, we both went to uh, naturopathic medical school and most of our colleagues and classmates are females. And so I know a bunch of friends and they're like, well, I'll just take 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. Well, ibuprofen, ibuprofen can cause low testosterone in men and women. Mm -hmm. So it can cause this uh, acute or like short-term decrease in testosterone. So if you're taking that every day, I call it vitamin I because I've had men come in or women come in and they're like Daily. wreck their kidneys mm -hmm. from it. And there's a, there's a warning that it can cause like bleeding in the intestines. Mm -hmm. So you got to be careful with that stuff. Um, and for women, you know, they're, they're mostly, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome and the, the menstrual stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for men and women, the gut stuff, yeah. um, something interesting you said. So we, we really look at it like, okay, SIBO and that's bacterial overgrowth, but you're saying there's, there's usually, oh, it's never just one thing. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. obviously it makes sense, but, um, what is that predisposition all of a sudden? Because shoot, when I was a kid and when I talked to, you know, older family members, they, they didn't like have SIBO or, you know, yeah. bloating or constant, you know, gut issues. What, what, what do you think environmentally, or what do you think is, what climate is in our body that is helping this overgrow or, or suppressing our immune system? Do you think it's environmental stuff? Do you think it's, we're overly stressed? Do you think that all of a sudden no one's sleeping? What's going on here? Yeah. So, um, in Matt Walker's book, a PhD up in Berkeley, used to be at Harvard, why we sleep. He talks about how, uh, lack of sleep, and most Americans are getting, I think, about six, if they're lucky, hours of sleep a night. Mm -hmm. And ideally, again, eight is like the golden ticket. Okay. Um, that can cause dysbiosis alone. So just lack of sleep. Right. Huge. Mm -hmm. Let's say that again. Yeah. Like not sleeping enough can wreck your gut. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you're in tune with your body, like I feel like we've had to be trained to be in mm -hmm. tune with our body because we're in the industry. Um, and when you go through the gauntlet of your hero's journey of your own health journey, you have to kind of wake up to what's going on. So if I get like last night, it was the full moon, 
um, or maybe it's tonight, but basically it's the full moon, I didn't sleep very well. Mm -hmm. So I can just notice if I get five hours or six hours of sleep that I'm kind of like, I'm subpar today. You know, something's not right today. It's not like I'm waking up and I'm sick immediately. But so once you get tuned up, you'll know, okay, six hours is not my golden ticket anymore. You know, and you'll notice things if you're working out all the time, like, hey, I'm not gaining muscle mass. Um, so going back to the SIBO, uh, issue, if you don't, if a shutdown gut motility is really the issue. So, uh, when we get into parasympathetic, we're getting peristalsis. So that's a nervous system trigger from the vagus nerve that comes out of the brain and basically innervates most everything in our chest and our gut as well as the gallbladder. So for example, if you have somebody like I do some stool testing, I can see if they're digesting fats or not. And, or they can just report like, Hey, I checked after a bowel movement. I saw like a greasy layer on the um, yeah. top of the, yeah. the water in the toilet that could be undigested fats. So you're taking like fish oils or eat a, eat a high fat meal that that could be what's going on there. And that could just tell you, Hey, like I'm not relaxed when I'm eating. I'm not in rest and digest. I'm not in parasympathetic. Like I'm not meditating. I don't do yoga. I rush everywhere. I drink like half a pot of coffee or more a day, you know, I'm I'm chomping on no-dos to stay awake, to Mm -hmm. work an 11 hour day because Mm -hmm. I got my boss screaming at me every week. So that's the world that people live in. And you're not going to have gut motility. Like if you're eating while you're driving and like texting on your phone all at the same time, Mm -hmm. which people, I see people doing crazy stuff Mm -hmm, driving, mm -hmm. you know, and your gut is shut off. Like you're in fight or flight, whether you are aware, whether we are aware of it or not, that's what's happening. Yeah. So that immediately is just going to shut down motility. And they call it now the uh, migrating complex, multiple yeah, migrating motor com- complex. Motor complex yeah. yeah, the motor complex. So like ginger tea can help with that. Gargling can help with that. So three like minutes. before workout? I mean, before eating? Yeah. Okay. Or just... I usually recommend like someone start with like, just take a glass of water, a cup of water, Mm -hmm. uh, put a timer on your cell phone uh, for one minute, gargle for a minute, spit it out. Do that three times in the morning, three times in the evening before bed. You'll notice that you have improved sleep eventually. Uh, You'll feel more relaxed as you start your day because you're stimulating the vagus Mm -hmm. nerve through- uh, Through the gargling. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to take a supplement. Like I love herbs, I love nutritional medicine, and I use it often with all patients. However, it's nice to like add these things. It's like, you just got to get that water glass. Cheap. Yeah. Very affordable. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. So it's stimulating the vagus nerve, putting it or you in more in a parasympathetic state, um, and then helping you for ready to rest and digest. Yes. So, So with that poor digestion, that complex, not moving, what you're getting is just food kind of sitting there. Yes. Right. And that bacteria is fermenting and having a having a ball yes. in your small intestine. Yeah. And fungus too. Like because yeah. you, you had mentioned it's not never just bacteria. Yeah. It's a whole complex. Um so and then ginger tea, let's say what, before uh eating or maybe Sure. Before or after or um even with a meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually you want to have it within, you know, uh, like half an hour before a meal. Mm-hmm. Just like prep things. Uh you also can do like take an ounce of apple cider vinegar, put it in an ounce of water and just drink that before a meal and kind of like start the digestive process. Yeah, yeah, um, or bitters too. Yeah, bitter I love like Swedish it. bitters. Yeah. And people can make their own 
or you can just go buy like Gaia herbs, Swedish bitters. It's sold over the counter, a lot of uh, health food stores now. Yeah, something really important, Dr. Mary Pardee, who's a gut health doctor down here, said in the show, is to understand that that complex needs to move. So yeah. if you're grazing, like you're eating, and then an hour later, oh, let me just chomp on a little bit on these chips that I bought. And then to an hour later, eating a little more, it's shutting down that complex. You need to give it time between meals. So really grazing is one of the major things. If you have gut issues um, or SIBO or fungal overgrowth, yeah. to to pay attention if you're grazing. I think that's really important to for people to yeah. understand too. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, man, we, we shoot, I don't know how long we, we went talking about this, but we covered men's hormones, yeah. women's hormones. We got into gut health. Is there anything that you else you want to say before we close it that is important for the listeners and viewers to understand? Yeah, I would say the first thing is to try to figure out the things that you can do on your own and then see if you can make headway your own. And then if you're struggling after a month or a couple of weeks, you know, hire an expert. Like there's people like yourself, me, Dr. Ralph Esposito. Um, you can find us all on social media. Start following us on social media. Start doing the legwork, you know, and figure out what's really the issue. You know, like, do you just need to get your bedroom to 65 degrees Fahrenheit? Mm -hmm. Like, do you need to get a chili pad? And like, maybe that's the first investment just so mm -hmm. you can start sleeping enough. Cause men run hot uh, because of like our muscle mass and testosterone make us warmer and women usually need a warmer bed. So mm -hmm. the chili bag could solve that heat issue, the hot cold issue. So there's things like that, that you can do right away. And then you can see, is this like a medical intervention? Like, do I need to get lab testing? You know is this working out for me? And yeah. I have a lot of free information if people are interested, they can go to my website. And, and what's the that. website? Yeah, so the website's uh, apollohealthclinic.com. Apollo? Apollo, yes. Okay. A-P-O-L-L-O, uh, mm -hmm. so Apollo. And uh, he was actually the Greek god of medicine, mm -hmm. so that's why I chose the name. And uh, you can go there, there's uh, two free downloads, one for perimenopause for women, and then another one for andropause. So you just can put in the search box andropause and then menopause. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, and and your Instagram, what was it? Yeah, Instagram handle is at doctor spelled out, uh, Sam, and then my last name, Madeira, M-A-D-E-I-R-A. Yeah, so viewers and listeners, like make that intervention first for yourself. Check out your lifestyle, check out your sleep, your food, your exercise, your stress levels. And then if you're still off, look for professionals so we can really lab test and really guide you in a better place um thank you man this was a really important conversation hormones are always hot so yeah. anytime someone comes in here and wants to talk hormones i'm like let's do it yeah. we, you can't talk enough about hormones in this field um so i think you're doing great work out there man a lot of men and women i'm sure are grateful for you i'm grateful for you thank you for coming man yeah thanks for having me All right, hormones. Who doesn't love hormones? Who doesn't love gut health? We covered both men and women. Beautiful conversation. I love it. Empower yourselves. Know that there's things outside of you that are affecting your hormones. What's affecting your hormones and how do we be better at it? How do we optimize our hormones? How do we keep ourselves healthy? Right? Really empowering, quick interventions that Dr. Sammy mentioned. So I really hope that helped. I want to say thank you all for really supporting the show giving us love. There's a lot of love coming from me. I tell you this every week, but I truly mean it. I will never get to meet all of you, but I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening.